All right, welcome back to Call and Shots. This is Seth Partnow. Uh, I promised Kings yesterday, and I lied because I got my my weeks and my schedule screwed up. So I'm going for a different, um, slightly different vibes Western Conference team instead. Uh, my good friend from Mavs Moneyball, Kirk Henderson, joins. Kirk, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, it's 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 later at night than I usually record, but uh, here we go. Sorry about that. Midwest bedtime with a child that doesn't want to go to bed early. <laughs> exactly. I, I I usually try to do late afternoons, but to, but had to do post bedtime for us too. Um. So, I I've come on your I've come on your kind of your reaction uh, uh show a few times after some tough Mavs losses. So I know, um, you you and the Mavs fan base are kind of going through it right now. Do you want to just you know? give the give the elevator speech on on why well the funny part is is that this is for the third straight season this is Luka Doncic's fifth season for context for the third straight season the Mavericks started off the season playing really mediocre to poor basketball looking awful and then at around game 20 once again for the third straight season they seem to have found a little bit of something, and they're turning the corner from playing sub-500 basketball, only just slightly, to winning basketball. They're currently 13-11 and 11 and riding a three-game win streak with some really good wins in that, including a back-to-back over Phoenix and Denver, who are atop, you know, kind of a, a tightly packed Western Conference. And I don't know how to feel about this team whatsoever, because the real challenge that we're running into is that by and large, when you look at, you know, the the Dallas Maverick rotation, it features five of the same eight or nine players that were on the roster. Luca's rookie year, spring of, of 2019. And Luca has improved. And I think the role players on the team have more or less maximized who they are. And so as a result, we're sort of staring at a team that is playing in year two under a a Jason Kidd coached system, though I question what the hell that even means. And they are not particularly interesting. They have won precisely one game all year where Luka Doncic scores under 30 points, and that was yesterday's game against Denver. Um, And that was really one of the first – one of – two or three games where more than one role role player popped off for, for a good scoring average, because one of the, the hallmarks of the a Luka Doncic led offense for the past several years is Luka's stat line looks incredible. And the other three or two or at least two or three of the other starters barely score a single point or add a statistical contribution. It's been kind of maddening, but the Mavericks are here right now. They're 13 and 11. There's some cause for optimism, but I personally am of the the opinion that it's a little bit of fool's gold because over their last three games, they're plus 75 from the three-point line. So it's like if you shoot 42% from three for three straight games and you play passable defense, you're giving yourself a good chance to win. Everybody always looks better when every jumper goes in. Sure, sure. And there's there's an argument to be made that you know, a a number of the Mavericks players are just sort of slow starters. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock basically got ground into a fine dust by the the playoffs last year where each of them essentially played 45 minutes a game for the better part of two months, and neither of them is a spring chicken. So I'm I'm willing to entertain that argument. Uh, Tim Hardaway is, is coming off like just one of the classic Tim Hardaway heaters of old 
five straight games of five straight uh, or a five or more three point makes. He's shooting 55% from three over that stretch, maybe 54%. I can't remember. But then if you go back to the start of the Jason Kidd tenure, so all of 2021, 20, 22, uh, up until when he got hurt against the, the Warriors in January of 22. And then all this year up until the Detroit game, which was roughly just going back four or five games. So the first 18 games of the season, he shot so roughly a 60-game sample size. He shot 32% from three under kid. So it's like, I just don't know what to do with some of these numbers because it's all ba- – it feels just so damn luck-based. Luck isn't a thing. It is. It is no, in, in especially in the the three point era, it, it is. So well, let let me just bounce around something positive. I had I had Mo Dekeel, um, my my nerder podcast partner on yesterday, sure. and I asked him this, and I'll ask you this: Why do the Mavs seem to own the Suns right now? Ooh, that I, I that I really don't know. I think um, I I think Luka Doncic is Corey Booker's boogeyman. Corey Booker, Devin Booker's boogeyman. <laughs> Corey um, Brewer. I, 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 I think against the, um, I, I think against the Mavericks, they they really should play through DeAndre more because the Mavericks simply have no answer. Uh, he had twenty points and eight rebounds in three quarters, and I think that if the game had been tighter, I, you know, maybe the Mavericks make three less three pointers and the game's a little closer, they might have eventually sort of won that battle. Um, but I, I, it's just kind of a classic game where it's, you know, the postmen, big man are not really as dominant as they used to be. Playing through the big man doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense. But I, I, I just, that, that would have been what I tried because the Mavericks, um, that was the first regular season game the Mavericks have won against the Suns since November of 2019. Uh, so while the Mavericks own the Suns lately in terms of, of how they've played, the past several years, the Suns have really kicked the crap out of them. So I, it's a little bit of a mental thing, I think. They were also the Suns were also on the third third game in four nights kind of thing. So you know, I, granted that in the the second game, they actually I, I looked into this. None of their starters played over thirty minutes, so it's not a great excuse. But you know, I I could buy it. You know, they're they're just kind of built in for an off night. So it's it kind of goes both ways for me. I think it just seems with given the way the the playoffs ended last year, like that's a that. You know, you you've you've watched the NBA for a long time. Sometimes you you need a little something to. Okay, this is just a game on a Tuesday night in November, mm-hmm. but if there's a game you're going to get up for, kind of seems like, hey, these guys embarrassed us on our home court in Game Seven last year, and that's yeah. that's the part that made it surprising to me, is it was like their well, first they, their first back, chance so at the, some get the, back. Well, the season opener was Dallas Mavs against um, the Suns in Phoenix. And That's right. Dallas bullied them, absolutely bullied them. It looked like a continuation of game seven. And then we got just what's become classic Jason Kidd bullshit, where he continues to stick with something that doesn't work just long enough, just long enough to where the Mavericks were unable to to hold on. Like they they – they had a – I'm going and checking the box score right now. The Mavericks had a 22-point lead at one point and surrendered it. And then you look at kind of the end of it. And I know, I know, I know individual plus minus is not there. But they had – their starters, you know, you, you have Luka as a negative 16 in that game <laughs> despite despite having 35, 9, and 6. 
the every single starter except for Spencer Dinwiddie is negative and negative in a significant way. So, and I understand it's the first game of the season, but it's like they they gave the game up because they were sticking with a plan because it's the first game of the season, despite the fact that the plan, i.e., in this specific instance, I'm putting the blame on playing JaVale McGee any basketball whatsoever, and the Mavericks gave up that game. So, I'm part of me wonders if that's if if that like I haven't run numbers on this or anything like that, but it seems the the give up big lead as Luca tires and the offense grinds in the mud that certainly qualitatively seems like a thing and it's been a thing for several years. Can you say that again? I don't think I processed that properly. So the the I think there's been I, I feel like if a feature of watching the Mavs, whether playoffs or regular season, is a bunch of threes going in the first half. Luca ends mm. up at 20, 24 in the first, you know, eighteen minutes. And they build a big lead, and then the second half, the air kind of slowly goes out of the balloon, and kind of the offense is gets grindy, and and Luca maybe tires a little bit, and then by the end of the game, it's it's the smacking head against a big brick wall, and you are end end up at least end up in a close game that should have been a comfortable win, and sometimes give them away. I certainly think that that's been a hallmark of this year. Uh, particularly because at least through the first 20 games, they have very little offensive variety. Um, one of my, I think that's, I, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't consider myself a Jason Kidd defender. Um, but I, I think this has been a, that has been a feature going back to the Rick Carlisle days too, in my, sure. sort of, maybe in my headspace. So I, I like, no, I, I, think, I think that it's a pre existing condition. It, it it becomes a in it, it, and this is Luca trying to take the air out of the ball. Uh, yeah. I I call it prevent offense, where it, it's particularly bad in the clutch time. I mean, the Mavericks lead the league in clutch time games out of twenty. They they have played seventeen clutch games out of tw- out of twenty four possible opportunities. Like that sucks. Like, you can't be. It's it's the season's too long to make it this tense. Like blow some guys out and. In no small part, it's because of, like, things going into the fourth quarter. Luca comes in off the bench either at the eight-minute mark or the six-minute mark, and the offense just dries up. And I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg thing. I mean, I, just because Luca's in charge of kind of the offense and running it, I think it's fair to lay the blame at his feet. But I watched last night as the Suns – or I'm sorry, as the Nuggets came back from down 10 with four minutes left, I watched Luca make a pass only for the options that he has – often pass him the ball immediately right back with no almost like a just like a, a game of catch like there's no movement with Luca it's just like reestablishing a dribble to, to, and I don't understand the point of that and that's where they they get away from some of these sets and against the Knicks they finally sort of running just some variations on pick and rolls that we honestly hadn't seen this year um my former colleague is Doc Franco uh detailed this in, in a Twitter thread where he's like, look at some of the stuff that they were doing. And he said, it's the first time I've seen some of this stuff since last year. Why you would wait until game 20 to like toss in variations on pick and rolls are beyond me. I mean, I'm not that good of an offensive dis- describer, but you can just see it where it's like guys aren't moving. The only guy in the offense that really does interesting things to be on Luca um, that aren't very predictable is Josh Green. Yeah, I think this is hmm, 
this is not only um a, a Mavericks thing, but sort of um I think it's it's a feature we've seen in the NBA for a long time is the kind of surrounding the star with functional vets without much pop. Like I feel like that's that there that's been sort of an archetype. Um Frankly, some of the some of the even going back to the Jordan Bulls, there were there was some of that, and and it was you know okay, well, you get the two best players in the league, so it's okay, uh, inclu- including one of the you know pick a pick a number under five best player of all time, um, mm-hmm. but you know the, the the first LeBron Cavs, kind of the AD um, uh, um, Pelicans that at times the Giannis Bucks, and you know you go go up and down the league, and you know the Trey Hawks, um, it, but having that one guy, just just that one guy who has something, and you wish you had more of that. Mm-hmm. And and that's where you know we're, I still don't feel like I I, I I either feel like I know way too much about this current team or I know nothing at all. Um, kid's gotten a little persnickety in his past couple of press conferences. Honest to goodness, referencing Twitter coaches, which. I'm just like if if that's where you are in the process, like this this is not going to end well. But without Jalen Brunson, this team lacks a certain. Uh, I don't know, like Brunson's not particularly dynamic, but he just adds like an element of of optionality to the offense that they don't have now because they either go Spencer Dinwiddie handling the ball, and Dinwiddie's not a point guard; he is like elevated Bones Highland. Um, just older. First Bones of all, how Island, dare you? Honest. How dare you? <laughs> Bones is awesome. Make no mistake about it. But it's just—is is that the guy? Is that your second star kind of thing? No. Um, and then that—that's kind of it. They don't really have any offense. Um, against who was it against? Because uh, Spencer Dinwiddie got thrown out. Um, it was against Bucks. Uh, I think it was Bucks. Now Spencer Dinwiddie got thrown out against against one of these teams, and they had to run like a, a guardless offense for seventy seconds. And whoever they're playing against stormed and scored seven points in seventy seconds because they just had no they had no ball handlers. So Matt, Dallas is just it's they're they're borderline boring because all of their problems and all of their solutions come back to shot making because there's just nothing very interesting that they can do. They're not a defensive assembled team um which chaps kids ass i'm sure to know to to such an extent that it drives them crazy but they're they're mostly offensive players right so here's the like here's the thing i want I, like or a thing i wanted to ask you is you is is i think you you mentioned this being a boring team um getting through a season with you know we've got a, we've got a long way to go and it feels like every time i watch them play i've seen the game before mm-hmm. that's right um, okay well what what keeps you coming back right now <laughs> well um i'm a slave to routine uh i think that watching luca like in a in a vacuum, like watching what Luca does and how he reads the game can be particularly fun. Like Nikias Duncan spent five minutes on a video clip today, just breaking down three possessions of what Dallas did to the Denver offense, 
And it's really fun to watch Luka manipulate defenses, even with limited options. Um, I also just am, am kind of curious to see if the coach will play the best players together. I The more I watch this, the more I get the feeling that, like, you know, Harala Bob Vulgaris basically responded to somebody the other day on Twitter because he can't help but dip his head back into math stuff and say that, as far as he understands it, everybody that was under him is no longer with the team now. And while they do have analytics staff, I'm just very openly curious as to if that analytics staff is communicating with the coaching staff in a way where everyone understands what's going on. I sort of have open questions about whether the coaching staff understands data at all. And if they do, whether they believe what they're seeing, because for example, it took to the 24th game of the year for the Dallas Mavericks to play a hundred possessions with their best lineup, which is Luka Doncic, Josh Green, Tim Hardaway, Maxi Kleba, and Christian Wood. Like he will not play it because I don't, I mean, they're, they're, I want to say they're, yeah, they're, they're like, they're the one, the second best lineup in the league. It's like the net, the net rating is like 31. It's preposterous and they just won't play it because it does. It's not the defensive minded thing that kid wants. And he has, as very much, I just sort of, I'm, I'm to the point to where I sort of question whether he understands why they were good last year. Um, they found a formula, but it's not the formula that he wanted. And so they went to the back to the drawing board and said, well, we're going to make our team big. And then that's going to matter. So they go out and get JaVale, who's been the worst signing of the offseason, and it's not close. He's already not playing. Um, and I think then that's they a bold are... statement, by the way. I, I would I would wonder if, you know, there's there's some other questionable ones. I'll put it to you like when you when you factor in when you factor in the the consideration that they promised him a starting role, and then they gave him three years. And yeah. then they, the last one being a player option, that's why I could, it's like no one was giving JaVale McGee $6 million a year for three years. No one. There was a who, zero. Who was giving Marvin Bagley more than the mid-level? I think Marvin is, Bagley is, is the, at least a youth. Yeah. JaVale McGee is two years younger than me. <laughs> a youth. Like what, what, you know, and the man has asthma. Like he can't play. He might be a good locker room guy, but the Mavericks have had enough of that. So it's like they built this sort of they, – they, and that's their one means of improving the team because to be fair to Kidd and to Nico Harrison, there weren't a lot of options, though they clearly misplayed everything to do with Jalen Brunson. And whether you hang that on Cuban or whether you hang that on Nico is kind of up to you. So when, when um, Jalen Brunson leaves and then you assign him, you assign uh, JaVale McGee, you, you've essentially run out of options. And because they don't own their pick this year – it's like up in the air. The Mavericks are very much in a situation where they're going to have to sort of figure this out with the roster, which means either playing Josh Green more, playing somehow maybe even getting minutes for rookie Jaden Hardy, and just trying different things. And trying different things seems to be something that either Jason Kidd throws out the worst lineups I can possibly think of. Like there, you mentioned to me like a week ago, I didn't even notice this because it gets so stupid. Like there's a Davis Bertans at center lineup. Like what are we doing? And, and I just, I don't know. They, they, they seem sort of like, like some of what they do is reactionary to the point of, so he, so kid can later say, well, see, see, none of this stuff works. So I'm going to go back to doing what I've always done. But I, I'm also just kind of like, I'm a little bit biased against him as a coach at this point anyways. Is it biased or is it, you just don't like what you see? That's, I mean, that's, that's. Oh, I fair. definitely don't like what I see. Because um, I, I don't, 
I don't particularly. There, there's a question in chat, which I think is is sort of uh, relevant to to you know where you're going with this. Is Brad? Uh, asks, you know, if the Mavs wanted to make a Drew Holiday type trade, which is basically everything you got uh, in the offseason, who's the best gettable player they could get? Well, man, I don't know. Here's here's something to point out. I mean, out first of all, that. they don't. What's that? Here's something to point out about that. When you go get Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday is the third best player, maybe even the fourth best player on that Bucks team, depending on how you feel about Brooke Lopez, because Chris Middleton's the second. Dallas Mavericks don't have a second best player. I, hmm. I, 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 I think that 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 Drew and 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 Chris Middleton are are, are pretty close okay. actually. Sure. But I, I, but I, but I take your, I take your point. Like that's a, like regardless, that is a a that's a that's a trade you finish the team with. Now, you know, getting just a, like a second top twenty five ish guy might be enough. You know, you get that plus Luca. That might be enough with good role players. But still, who is that? Who who is that like top twenty five ish guy that is even available? Um, you know the best guy that's gonna that might be available is is I mean I don't know, Brad Beal, Zach Levine. Like what are we what are we doing here? Which, and, and, oh my god, I'm sorry, dogs. Decide I've gated them off and they somehow made it <laughs> made their way upstairs. Um, the answer to that like like I just wouldn't, I wouldn't want any of those guys. Hold on, I'm gonna try to close my doors. You can keep talking. I'm here though. <laughs> uh the, no that's right um and i think that's that that's the issue is that first of all there isn't that guy second of all i'm not sure the mavs have enough to do it and third um i think the a key difference was i think the mavs need a different type of guy like yeah. I mean, the Mavs would, would almost need the heat to be like, well, this isn't working. Let's see what we can get for Bam. Mm-hmm. Like, just in terms of the players that are of that kind of general level. Right. Okay. And that's, the next trade they make is the last trade they make. And it has not to be to the be, perfect complement, yeah. not just a it, – it, almost not just a, a talent grab, but someone who is yeah. – who's complimentary and they, and they, that could be complimentary in terms of like another shot creator or something. I think we would need to see more of a, I'm, I'm still surprised that Luca is not a better off ball player, to be honest. He seems like he's got a, he, like he, he, when he decides to cut, he does so intelligently. He's big and can get play in the post. He's obviously a good enough shooter to have, you know, some spacing ability, but, Right, you know, kind of like I mean, it's a a common refrain of this kind of ball dominant guy is you know Trey and James Harden and whoever else. It's I like I don't want to just shoot the ball when I catch it. I want to well, it's do something with it. He, you know, Luca came from a European system, and he was not always the point guard. He was not like they they. they we're in Real Madrid, he didn't you know, one of the, the pre draft criticisms, nobody remembers this. Luca didn't really have much of a left hand in Europe. He just sort of like he showed up his rookie year and all of a sudden he was like a significantly better ball handler. So he was much more of a play finisher at times with Real Madrid. Now he did play point, like I'm not an idiot here, but you know, even Goran Dragic was one of the team leaders and point guards when Slovenia went to um Euro or Euro uh, Eurobasket. Eurobasket, yeah. 2017. So it's, he can do it. What they have to figure out 
is getting him to do it in ways regularly where he is effective because they've used him in screener screens every now and again and it works when he decides to cut it works they're, instead what they're really doing is just they're they're ice like they're isoing him at different points in the floor the post game stuff's really interesting because he's really good but it, you know just because the numbers look great i think there's got to be something to, to getting guys touching the ball i don't remember who i first heard say this but i think the ideal way if they can get a little more variety to their offense is do what James Harden did before things went awry with the Nets before he pulled his hamstring where he was a point guard and ran an offense. And then in the fourth quarter, they used him like the battering ram and he finished plays. That's kind of like a more ideal purpose. But I think the team talent is really so piss poor. I mean, relative to other teams, I mean, they, they, this was two weeks ago, but this thought's going to stick in my head forever. The Mavericks have the highest percentage of players draft either undrafted or um, what was the stat? Something like forty-eight percent of the Dallas Mavericks points are scored by undrafted or second-round players, which is the highest percentage in the league. They just don't have a lot of guys with pedigree, you know. And and, and that, that's like, that's the one thing. If your second rounder is 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 like Nikola Jokic or Marc Gasol yeah. or or something like that, but in you know if it's yeah, you're right. If it's you know you're you're talking about. Dorian Finney Smith and 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 you know who right, I which is like I, it's, it's great that they've maximized this yeah. and I I just keep beating this drum but it's one thing about the James Harden Rockets like Daryl Morey overturned every possible stone they were mixing up the roster every year you know every year now the flip side to that whole argument is James Harden's first year as a Rocket was when he was twenty three Luka Doncic is twenty three right now. I just think they've done a bit of a disservice because, you know, they, they, they had such like the, you know, Tim Cato or somebody's probably writing a book about this, but like it was, they, they lucked out in getting one of the best possible players in the draft, like one of, you know, a generational player. And then they had no vision to build around him because their front office was just a total clown car. And it's been hinted at a little bit. And I think Raul Bob takes most of the fall and the heat and the public's eyes. But Donnie Nelson was a terrible general manager. Terrible. He just got like he was just active. You know, it's like like I'm sorry, I don't I'm not giving credit to somebody for drafting Luka Doncic. Like that was one of the that was a fucking obvious call. Only problem was Lena Mina Kimes wrote a, a draft piece where he ordered nachos and everybody was assumed that he was fat, and so no one wanted to draft him. It was stupid. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of a lot of weirdness went into I mean, I think that that you know, Aiton going first in that draft is it is at least defensible. Absolutely, but, yeah. At Aiton, but then everything gets a little fun. But then again, that was just an incredible draft. Yeah, I mean the the um, I it, it's I wonder which we're gonna it's 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 slightly different because you know one of them has been a more harmful player to a, a you know bigger a a more prominent team, but that's going to be an interesting which number two pick between Bagley second and Wiseman second is going to go down as a, as, as like the head scratcher, like a, like a, almost a league defining head scratcher. Oh, I think, I think it has to be Wiseman because Bagley at least has like hyper athletic traits. Wiseman is just huge. Yeah. I don't I, I can't handle Wiseman. He just because I have Mavs fans who are like, <laughs> what if we made a trade for Wiseman? I'm like, Jesus Christ, no. I think so away. that's a, so this is an interesting thing. I think Wiseman would actually be pretty good. 
for the maps. Maybe not pretty good. I think he'd just have a in chance. Terms of offense, I'm sure Luke would make him look like a god. But he just yeah, well, he and it, well, I mean, and also it's it's so this is this is something that that I mean that would be that's that's the kind of trade they should be making though is like okay, well let's like obvious talents. He's someone who cannot play high decision basketball. Um, the difference into the amount of processing that he would have to do uh, to function with the Warriors versus the Mavs is pretty enormous. Yeah, I think. no, we're light years. <laughs> uh, yeah, and th- th- you know, it's not a, it's not a, that's not a shot at the player. He's not the, he's not the first, and he won't be the last guy who, who, you know can't who doesn't read the floor well enough to kind of you know he you know riff with the with the with the warriors jazz ensemble and but the the but the um the you know the the mavs are 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 not like god i'm going with a terrible music analogy but i'll go with it but you know the mavs aren't looking for more soloists they're looking for a rhythm section if he can, you know, if he can play four on the floor, then then that seems like it gives him something. Sure, sure. Ooh, <laughs> I did. There you go. The Huck agrees. Yeah, I, I'm just not sure. Dogs. This is just terrible. Like I'm, I had to move in my house because it's a solo parenting <laughs> night, and it's like the dogs just chasing me around. Um, I'm just, I'm not team building around Luca. I'm not going to sit here and act like it's easy. Because I really don't think it it is, but I've been just kind of baffled at the lack, you know, of of it. It only gets harder, and instead, the Mavericks have sort of approached it like it's it, it will somehow get easier, you know. And it's I've I this has been my shtick for close to four years, and it's such a beaten, boring path. Nobody wants to hear me say it anymore. But I, I'm curious as to where, you know, I don't know if they do make any trades this year. I sort of hope they don't because I would just like them to get their house in order in terms of trade assets. Um, that was going to be my bad. question. That that was going to be my question is, is there any sort of appetite for, you know, a do they have enough time? I know you've you've talked about, and and this is the kind of thing that that you know people hate talking about is like, oh, star on the clock. It's on not this, like it's you're, real though. You, it's real. Yeah, it, well, you don't even. I mean, you're not even. There there hasn't even been any like speculation about it. It's just sort of like, hey, this is this 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 is a player who should be playing on championship level teams, and at a certain point, if that's not here, I you know, I don't think. He, it, you know, after seven, eight years, I don't think you begrudge someone for looking somewhere else if it's just not happening. Absolutely I not. I think that's fair, right? Right. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't so, I wouldn't at all. It's just it's a different world and Dirk Nowitzki spoiled Mark Cuban. And I don't think Cuban really has a good firm grasp on what on the real possibility that something like this could happen just because, you know, not to be too crass about it, but the next contract for somebody like Luca borders on preposterous he like the map and this is if, assuming no cba changes make but the next contract projects he could make 100 million more dollars with the mavericks than he could make with any team and i think the dallas bet right now is well he's not gonna walk away from that money and i definitely don't 
I mean, it's, it's interesting to see. It's also like at the level we're talking about, like it's a lot of money, but if I'm already making 300 million, 400 million is more, right. but it's, we're not it, still, it's, unless Luca wants to be like a global conglomerate and, or own a team or something, we're not talking like there's, he's already at the generational wealth point. It's a question of degrees. So, right. But to, to sort of go, go with what you're, you're leaning towards. I, the only sort of trade I see them making is somehow rearranging assets with another team. That's like, what the fuck now, before the Mavericks won three straight, I, I've been sort of noodling things in my head related to like the Bulls or maybe the Heat. But now I, I just, with what Dallas does, any sort of Are you, are you talking yourself move, into Nick Vucevic? No, I'm really not. But I think it's more of a question of Dallas, if they were to trade any player, and it's not, this is a bad example because I don't think things are this dire. But it's rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. Any player they trade opens up a problem, regardless of whatever solution a new player brings in. Does that? Yeah. So, I'm I'm not necessarily even talking about like a trade. I'm just I'm I'm sort of trying to get since you you have a see have the uh, temperature of a portion of the fan base. Like, would there be? any sort of of appetite or patience for like as, as you say just kind of letting the i'm, I'm gonna go like joe missoula and talk about sandcastles or something but you know you're on a beach you dig a hole the nba is sort of like this if you don't if you just don't do anything the tide is gonna fill the hole for you and you know the teams have have you know the knicks you know in the in a, at least prior to this regime, like if there's one thing you can say about the current regime, the Knicks, it's they haven't thrown good money after bad in quite the same way as the, you know, 2000s and teens Knicks have. Um, but like the, the, they're the, they're the 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 prime example of a team just not willing to, well, let's just do nothing and let the you know the waves of future drafts and and seasons passing just kind of fill in the hole, and. Given that, you know, the Mavs have a lot of those sort of mid-sized $12 million, it's a good player, but he's still, he's making those those kind of cloggy contracts and just kind of letting that sort of unspool for a little bit and then kind of reset almost. And it's like, you're not like you're tanking because you got Luca, so you're still going to be, you know. Right, right. Yeah. You're going to be, you're going to be 500 or thereabouts as long as he's healthy, just because with like, you know, competent shooters and like decent defenders. So is that, am I, is, is that something that's even possible or, or even I don't, their books are like, they're over the cap next year without doing anything. Their books are so bad. Tim Hardaway over the last five games went from being an albatross contract to me wondering, is there a team out there that would actually trade for him? Reggie Bullock is actually on a really nice contract, but you got Davis Bertans. You got, you're right that they have on paper where it's like, all right, this looks like, could they do this? But instead I, I really sort of secretly feel like they're in 2000, like early 2000s LeBron era where the only thing they could do is they move picks to get off bad money. No. I'm suggesting and, going the just like 
nothing. Do nothing. Let some. Oh, I think let, they let's, should do nothing. Yeah, let I those contracts run. They should do nothing. This is a this is a take your medicine year where you hope, and then the next thing I hope is that Luka Doncic uses his words like a big boy and says, "Okay, you passed on my mentor three times." Okay, and I I understand that there's a lot of Mavs fans out there that reasonably say Kimball Walker is a better basketball player than Goran Dragic in a vacuum. They're right, but the greatest ability is availability, to quote Ben Golliver and lots of other people. The Mavericks are in such a, like, disaster team-building mode this year because everything they've tried hasn't worked, and I really mean that. They made a great trade for Spencer Dinwiddie to part with Chris Stapps Porzingis, who he and Luka just did not work because you had to play a different style basketball. And frankly, he wasn't moving. And Porzingis is also a time bomb. And anybody who says otherwise doesn't believe in history. Sorry, 7-2 guys with 37 lower body injuries, they don't work out over time. That's fact. Um, So, But, you know, they made a nice trade for, you know, moving on. But they assumed another whole year of money with with Davis Bertans compared to uh, Chris Porzingis. And they just don't have a lot of, of moves on the table because they don't really have second-round picks. They don't have first-round picks. They're players that they have, I suppose. Like, Dorian Finney-Smith is probably their greatest trade asset. But if you trade him, you might be – He's just, I mean, might, he's he's their second-best player. Yeah, or he's second-most reliable player. That's, uh, like, night in, night out. You know, maybe, maybe didn't. But that's where it's like, you know – then there's then there's the Christian Wood of it all, which we've not even you know talked about. Like they traded a draft pick. Now, granted, it was a late draft pick for Christian Wood, who I don't know where he stands. I think he's actually been quite productive, but the fact remains that he's Christian Wood. <laughs> you know what do you do with that? I mean, I. We, I think we talked about this in the off season and I like in a vacuum that, that like that, that move makes so much more sense of Jalen Brunson still on the team. Right. Cause that way you have him, like you go from, if Christian Wood works, this is great. Instead, it, it's now you need Christian Wood to work. And what's particularly interesting, Seth, and this is just shows you how good Luka Doncic actually is, is Christian Wood has been mostly, mostly okay. He started off real well and then tapered off and then has been kind of weird. But he's not been terrible, but they've not needed him. That's been they, – they annihilated the Knicks without him. And that leads me to believe that I don't I, – I, your uh, athletic colleague, Tim Cato, I think has sort of danced around this. I don't know if he's actually said it, so I'm not putting words in his mouth. But I sort of feel that, that – a lot of people think that Wood won't make it past the trade deadline with the Mavericks. Interesting. I don't know why I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I actually think he fits pretty well as long as he's well. I mean, I think he's player. he's he's sort of not in a, not really integrated in the core and makes enough money to bring something back and is you know is talented enough to possibly get something back in terms of, of, of a player. So in, in those terms, I think it's not actually um, ridiculous. It's just, well, it's, I think it, the Mavericks it, have it's, sort of set him up to fail is, is one thing that frustrates me. Steve um, Jones, Nikias Duncan broke this down on their podcast before last, where of course, from what Steve thinks, Steve's much smarter than me, but Steve seems to think that they are not, they're not letting him to commit to one defense or another. 
And as a result, he ends up in no man's land almost every possession. And it makes him look much worse because he's not doing much of anything. He's just constantly out of position. And it, it's like he's not using his, his athletic traits the way they let Dwight Powell use his. Um, and then they – I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm explaining some of this stuff poorly. But it's just it's a complicated thing where I get, the, I get a very strong feeling that Jason Kidd didn't actually want him on the team which is bizarre because Jason Kidd is and is a partner with his general manager, Nico Harrison, and that they were a package deal. So it's just, this is all very odd. Like they could have had a decent player at 28. I mean, I don't actually expect they would have done anything because it's Jason Kidd and Nico Harrison and the Dallas Mavericks who have drafted, you know, four times reasonably well since 1998. So you seem pretty optimistic is what you're saying. I mean, Luka Doncic is the, is the, is the, <laughs> It's the balm that cures so much. And it's just like Dirk Nowitzki. Dirk made, you know, but, but with those those late 2000s Dirk teams, Cuban and the CBA was just, it was a different world. Like the four-team trade they made for Sean Marion is wild when you go back and look at what they did. But they were they were shifting the team every two years. You know, Steve Nash left. They had to bring in Terry. They tried a couple of years. That's right. with they had Terry. Antoine Jameson. They had didn't they have Antoine Walker for a minute. They were incredibly weird and so yeah. much fun. And instead, what we've got with Luca is five straight years of Dwight Powell, second rounder, not a bad player. He's maximized his talent. Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, Maxi Kleba, Tim Hardaway Jr., who went from who is the only player I think in NBA history to have two albatross contracts because he was the he was the, the tax for Chris Tapps Porzingis and arguably ended up the most reliable tra- player from the trade. And then there, and then Jalen Brunson and then Luca. And it's, it's, it's just, it's wild to me where you, you look at how much NBA turnover there is year over year. You go look at the best teams in the league. You go back four years, very few teams have the same, that the same rotation for four or five years. And Dallas does. And I just, I don't understand it. I don't I it, it's just such a a crime of team building to where you know in the NFL you get a Patrick Mahomes you get um uh who's the, the the Bengals quarterback you get these guys in these rookie deals and everything is structured to where if you maximize those years you can go places the Mavericks did exactly what the the Pelicans did with Anthony Davis and what Cleveland sort of did with LeBron James where they just leveraged the wrong assets at the wrong times and they end up just looking terrible. Only difference is, I think, is like Luca has managed to really exceed. Like he is playing so much better. He's so far ahead of timeline. I expected this sort of thing from like what Luka Doncic did in year two. I expected when he was 27. I mean, he's going to be first team all NBA for the fourth year in a row. And he's going to be just 24. We're like we're in unprecedented territory here, and the Mavericks managed to boof it up with their roster build. <laughs> and he, I am sorry, it's just any day. He's just as is. Well, you know, Jason Tatum's only nineteen, so um, still. But that's that, at some point that joke will stop being funny. Um, no, it's amazing because it's well. Well, just while I'm here, because I never get to say, I never get to talk about other teams. I, I am, I was so wrong about Jason Tatum. I, I, I am Haralabob because Haralabob also said Jason Tatum wasn't going to get any better. Man, that dude's good. I mean, that's a 
That's a hard one. I like, I think that, that he, like, he doesn't, I don't think he's going to be good soon, but saying, I don't think he's going to get any better. That's, that's, that's tough. Cause it, I think that player development is, is such a, such a mystery. And, you know, you've, you've, you've kind of hit on, on, on something a little bit and the Mavs and, 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 you know, in some ways the Mavs probably don't get enough credit for their player development, but they what if you develop a players pra- who are already good right right <laughs> but i but i but i think they also fall a little prey to you know the the the, the heat can i think they're you know the heat are widely recognized as one of the two best player development teams and i think that's fair but they also have gotten themselves in trouble kind of repeatedly but with you know being high on their own supply they give big you know big contracts to tyler johnson and they turn Dion waiters into a player and give him a big deal and and duncan robinson and max Struess is going to get paid now and 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 you know instead of well we yeah we we do this every every couple of years so let's you, you know you know almost assembly line and that's that's cold and i and i i you know i i can see how that's hard given that to be good at player development. You got to pour a lot into these guys, and so there's a little bit of of something kind of kind of mercenary about like, okay, well, you know, we we got you paid, but now, now get out of here and be go be go be overpaid somewhere else. <laughs> right, where it's just like you know, what you go from being a value to being a negative just sheerly on contract because it's all yeah. well and good, and then all of a sudden you're making twenty million dollars. No, poor Duncan Robinson. That was a swift fall. Um, Which, good, still, good for I, him, honestly, though, Because I, I yeah. still remember the fact that he reached out to, I want to say it was like Tate Frazier of the of the Ringer at the time to like figure out how to get into sports media. And all of a sudden, he <laughs> makes a $90 million. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just trying to imagine what that looked like at Division Three, Like, I... Like man. Anyway, um, trying to think if there's anything else. I'm, I feel like I feel like I've just given you space to vent, and I'm not no, sure it's going to help. Like, it feels like bitching but... because it, this, you know, this will go to a very different audience who hears me. And like I always try to really couch this sort of stuff because teams want to be told that their team is special and their team is good. And I always run the risk. Like I basically loved Tim Hardaway, and I gave up on Tim the game before he went nuclear. And that sort of stuff just can bite you in the ass. And the thing that comes with having a incredibly online owner and apparently an online coach, which like Jason Kidd should be careful with this stuff, considering what Buck's Twitter did to him, um, which for those of you who don't know, Buck's Twitter basically or- orchestrated a campaign. Every single thing they did was like fire Jason Kidd. And I don't know what it mattered, but it's like that sort of stuff is not great. Teams don't want to see that sort of stuff. But with, you know, it's sometimes it's very difficult for me to talk about this team because I just get told all the time, both by the Mavericks, by Mavs fans, by local media, that I am wrong about stuff that I have repeatedly been proven right about. It's just, and what I can see the case, and like, this is like my deep, dark fear, Seth, is that if in 2025, if Luka Doncic all of a sudden, you know, we start to hear Luka Doncic isn't happy, he wants to make a trade. He wants, he wants out of Dallas. I'm going to get told by the same fucking people that this was inevitable all along. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't, you know, I'm not, a, am I don't know if I'd consider myself like a Haralbal Vulgaris like fan in terms of him being a, a Dallas GM, 
But what if he was given free reign in 2019 instead of Donnie Nelson, who at that point was so checked out, it would have changed. Like, would that have changed the trajectory? At least there would have been a clear vision. The Mavericks lucked into a generational player and had no vision. That's criminal, Seth. So, yeah, I, I, I can say this. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously going to come off as, as pro, like, biased pro Bob just because, you know, we come from um, similar, though he much more successful, like gambling backgrounds and, and the analytics space and stuff like that. Um, wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been dull. Wouldn't have been boring. Wouldn't have been overly cautious. Swings would have been made. Yeah. I mean, and I think for every DeLon Wright, maybe you knock something out of the park. Who knows? I mean, you know, as much crap as he got for Josh Green. Out of that 2020 draft, Josh Green is one of the, one of about 12 to 15 guys who looks like a functioning it took it took a little bit to get there, but I mean, I think that's uh, you know more broadly like takes guys about three years. So, sure, yeah. All right, I think uh, I think we should for 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 your your sanity, if nothing else, we should probably wrap here. Uh, anything you want to leave on? Anything you want to pitch? Where can people find well, here's, you? Well, here's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is that, that the Mavericks are going to somehow still win fifty games. It's going to drive me bananas, but I'm also going to be happy because I like watching my team win. Um, over at Mavs Moneyball, we're kind of hitting the, the time of year where uh, there's not – we got a really nice piece today on why the Mavericks missed Jalen Brunson, but I think a lot of our fan base is sick of that. Uh, <laughs> last weekend – or on Sunday, we had a great piece up about the Dallas Mavericks city uniforms. Um, they have just have beautiful Nike city edition uniforms in court this year. And one of our writers wrote just a, just a lovely piece on kind of doing some research on how that put together – um, we do a lot of recap. We do some gambling coverage just because I'm really, really interested. Uh, at one point, Texas will look the revenue in the face of gambling, and that's going to change change things. I'm still learning about how to talk about gambling. We have some really good writers who cover that sort of stuff. Um, you know, you can subscribe to my podcast. We do a, a live show. We do podcast, uh, regular podcasts. I'm kind of always talking Mavs in some way, shape, or form. This is probably the most blunt I will be on a show because I just – Nobody wants to hear me shit on the team all the time. There's no money in that. I also don't want to do it all the time. Um, but I, I really do like covering this team. They're fun and weird, um, even though we're kind of talking about how they're a little bit boring. But, you know, we'll see where this goes. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no, thanks a lot for, for coming on, Kirk. Um, folks, thanks for, for listening. I think I will be back tomorrow with uh, um, talking about another weird uh team that has expectations that are maybe working maybe not uh, uh Derek Bodner coming on to talk 76ers tomorrow so uh, it so uh good. pipe in then all right thanks for listening